So uh, I guess first thing is I gotta take my shirt off so you can reach my arm. I'm, I'm getting my shot right now, so. There. Ah, so there you know. go. Yeah. That's my worst tattoo, so ignore it. Okay. That's like a cougar? Yeah. 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 It's not, yeah. It's not that bad for the worst one. Yeah, for a jailhouse tattoo, yeah, I guess. Okay. Alright, so it's gonna go in right now into that muscle. And. How is that? There's what? <laughs> it's all done. Yeah. A little bit of blood. I'll just put it. Can feel it. So yeah, so it's just like regular vaccine. I'm Garth Mullins. This is Crackdown. Episode 22. We're not afraid of needles around here. It's just after three on a cool afternoon. We're on a porch overlooking the parking lot behind the Vancouver area network of drug users, or Vandu. COVID has hit the downtown east side hard. Jeff says there's been cases in his building. Some people at Vandu had it, and it was in a bunch of single room occupancy hotels, or SROs. The health authority says there's higher levels of hospitalization around here, though the provincial government doesn't give out neighborhood specific data. But we do know that poor people and communities of color get hit harder. And new, more contagious strains have now landed in BC. The health authority has started vaccinating people in SROs and shelters, and some frontline workers. Today, they're at Vandu, where members of Crackdown's editorial board are going to get their shots. I don't live in an SRO, so my jab won't be for a couple of months. But I'm stoked. Almost everyone's excited. Um, are you excited to do the vaccine today? I am. I am. I, uh, I, I think it's the right thing to do. And let's face it, since the uh, 16th century, when we realized that the milk maidens, because they had cowpox, weren't dying of, of smallpox, that there was something in it. You know, there's something meant to, and I think, you know, and, 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 and that's how vaccines came about. And uh, I, I, I think it makes sense. Dean Wilson rolls up his sleeve to reveal a tattoo of a lady wrestling with some kind of big fish. Thanks, man. Thank you. Whoa, look at the peach! Doesn't they sell peach too? Yeah. Yeah. One day I'm in the lineup at the PE to go on a ride, and as I turn around, this guy's licking her. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's disgusting. I, I got thrown out of the PE that night. Yeah. He went home with a couple of black eyes. I muscle my own dope. Okay. And uh, this one's really sore right now. I've, I've just quit using, but okay. it's still really sore. No problem. It's got I a huge bump, as you can see. Yeah. This is, that's what gets me laughing, you know. People say they won't get a vaccine, but they'll take $10 down to the corner and buy a paper of dope they don't know who from. And they'll put that in their arm. <laughs> this is a little alcohol just to cleanse the area. It's going in right now. Put it I'm like, dinner, girl. You are done. I watch Greg get the shot, and Al, and Shelda. Laura shows me her arm. She got the vaccine a few days ago. COVID-19 has been a background hum in all of our lives. The worry comes in waves, 
you're scared and then exhausted from being scared and then scared again. But watching my friends get the vaccine, feel this wave of relief. Like at least everyone on our board will be safe from COVID. Or almost everyone on our board. <laughs> you don't want to get vaccinated, right? Hell no. Well, how come? Because they're not putting nothing in me, man. But don't I we don't put, trust them. Don't we put fucked up shit in our arms around here all the goddamn time? Yeah, but it ain't government fucked up shit. I don't trust government at all. I don't trust them. Don't trust them. But do you think that about all vaccines? Yeah. Like mumps, rubella, all that stuff? Yeah, they even me up when I was younger and I couldn't have a choice. I don't even go see a doctor really, okay? Even though Simona doesn't want the shot herself, she's still helping out. She's setting up chairs and lining people up. That's just who she is. And I think Simona has some legit questions. I don't trust the government either. So I tell her we'll try to find some answers. I need to find someone who knows this shit. A doctor who's not in the tank for anyone. Not big pharma and not government. And I want to talk to someone who's taken it. Crackdown science advisor Ryan McNeil suggests that I call Dr. Kimberly Sue. So you were saying you just got your shot today. Yes, I got the second shot of the Moderna COVID vaccine today. So I'm feeling a little tired, but it feels like any symptoms I have, I know are good things happening in my body. So I, I'm, I'm happy for that feeling. <laughs> I'm Dr. Kimberly Sue, and I'm the medical director of the National Harm Reduction Coalition. And I'm an addiction medicine doctor at Yale. What is a MD slash PhD? Oh, I have both. Oh, is this, so that means, should I have been calling you Dr. Dr. Sue instead of Dr. Sue? <laughs> yes, I have two. <laughs> I, yeah, a double doctor. I, pro- I bet people have made this joke before. I'm sorry. Thank you for humoring me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good joke. So like how, um, how or why did you get into working with people who use drugs? Oh, you know, it really goes a, a while back, actually, I was doing a lot of activism with a group called Health Gap um, around HIV and access to HIV medications, um, access to health equity, and that really led me to uh, addiction, and it also led me to incarceration in the U.S., and so I became very interested in learning from and working with people who use drugs and, you know, as a doctor, it's one of the most fulfilling things to do. And it's one of the most fascinating things to do to talk to people about drugs and no, no one person is the same and no one has the same experience with substances. You're not paid by the government or pharmaceutical company to, to talk to me about vaccines today. Right. I don't work for the government and I don't work for pharmaceutical companies and I've never taken money from them. So you got your vaccine today. Can you tell me, or you got the second uh, dose of your vaccine today. Could you tell me, like, what was that like? What happened? I had scheduled it already on the computer. The Moderna COVID vaccine is a 28-day vaccine duration between the first shot and the second shot, the booster shot. So I drove to the vaccine center. Um, I had an appointment at 11 in the morning, and they asked me if I had recently had any COVID symptoms. They asked me if I had had a bad reaction to the first one, an allergic reaction or any reaction, and then they let me in. I said I was feeling well. They took my temperature on my wrist, and then I went down to the nurse 
who asked me about my experience with the first vaccine, and she counseled me about what I might feel with the second vaccine. And, you know, she cleaned off my upper arm with alcohol pad and, you know, just gave me the shot. Uh, after that, I went to go sit in, uh, there are about 20 chairs where people were, were getting uh, observed, and a nurse came up to me and gave me some more information about what I expect in the next couple of days, if anything happened to me, how I could report it, a phone number to call if I was feeling bad in the next seven days, and I waited 15 minutes, and then I drove home. Do you know, um, like, who? how has this vaccine been tested? So uh, the two that are currently available, at least in the United States, are, are a Pfizer vaccine and a Moderna vaccine. So there were clinical trials that were held that had um, the Pfizer trial had over 40,000 people and the Moderna trial had over 25,000 people. And they tried to have a wide range of people, men and women. These trials were actually more racially diverse than many other trials we've had in the past. So the Pfizer trial was 30% racially diverse, including Blacks and and Latinx folk. Moderna was 37% racially diverse, 10% Black and 20% Latinx folk. And they tried to get a wide variety of age ranges too and a wide variety of conditions as well. So we can get a sense of safety across lots of different kinds of bodies and lots of different kinds of people. And so they did these trials and they looked at who got protected from COVID versus the placebo. So um, the placebo trial is really the gold standard, which is um, uh, compared to getting nothing, basically. And the Pfizer trial showed 95% efficacy after two doses from having COVID infection. And the Moderna trial had 94.1% protection from having COVID infection. Right. So is that a good number of people, like the like those 40,000 people and all that? Is that is that the right kind of number? Is that What is that? Those are very big trials. And those are pretty big numbers. Right. And I mean, there has been a history of, of uh, marginalized populations being used to sort of test out different social policies on or, or even um, medical things in history. Is that happening now? Like, are we part of the test? Is there some kind of ongoing test that, that if we were as drug users uh, to take the vaccine now, is we'd be part of that somehow? So there are people that are in the clinical trials and those people are being followed. Those people are being followed for long periods of time because they're trying to track how long is this COVID vaccine going to last. Those are people that are enrolled and have consented to these trials that have the ability to withdraw. Those are people who have freely entered in with education and information about what they are participating in. People who are getting vaccinated in their hospitals or in the community, Mm -hmm. there's no, uh, you, you are, there is a record that you have been vaccinated. Um, and there's also a phone number that you can call if you have vaccine side effects. But no one has called me. No one has engaged with me. There is, as far as I know, no no experiment. There okay. have been significant historical wrongs and medical abuse and exploitation 
of very marginalized populations. That is true. That is egregious. I do not think that is what is going on here. Well, I feel like that's part of um, our role as activists too, is to, is to talk to people like you and assess things as they come. Like say, as Narcan came online years ago, we, we have to understand it and decide whether we're going to use it and, and commit to it or not, you know, this is like that. Right. And maybe you could tell me how this actually works. Like, do you know, how does the vaccine work? Right. So everyone hears about this being a new kind of vaccine. This is an mRNA vaccine. So mRNA is basically a protein. It, it provides the instructions for a recipe. It presents to your body a piece of um, the spike protein in COVID. Um, your body sees it, knows it's foreign, attacks it, and kills it in the matter of a couple of days. So the mRNA is degraded and killed by your body. It is, does not alter your DNA. The mRNA is not allowed to go into the place in the cell where your DNA lives, the nucleus. The mRNA is in the cytoplasm which is this area outside the nucleus. It's just floating in the outside. So whatever you're given in the vaccine is killed by your body and degraded in a matter of three days. But what has happened is your body's been presented with something foreign and it's revved up your own natural killers, your natural antibodies. And that is how it prevents COVID infection because your body, you know, is now primed to kill the COVID that it, it that it sees. There it, is it, no live virus in this vaccine. There is no COVID in this vaccine. Okay. Um, yeah, it reminds me of this guy uh, in Victoria, BC. He uh, he used to like strut around the downtown wearing a tank top, no matter what the weather, and a mullet and like a a chain, you know, like a chain necklace. And he he didn't like me. And he he kind of comes up to me and and he's like he. He, he sucker punches me, but not really hard, just like glancing, glancing blow, right? And I didn't know he was going to do this. So I got it. It took me off guard, um, but I was fine, you know. But the next time I saw that guy coming, I was like, he's left handed. And he, <laughs> and so he, when he wound up, I just got out of the way. And I was re- I was like ready for it, right? So I just, it's weird. I was just thinking, I don't, why, why am I thinking of this idiot with a mullet while you're talking? And then I was like, oh, it's, I'm making a metaphor in my brain, <laughs> but I, I was able to be really my, my body, my, it was a reflex training. Like I just knew where his hand was going to pop out of like automatically, you know? <laughs> right. It's exactly that. Your body remembers and your body's seen it before and protects you from the, the next time it sees it again. Cool. Yeah. If that guy's listening right now, fuck you. Uh, and so <laughs> next, next question. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, like, does does this vaccine, like it's, you know, they developed it in 2020 and now we have these new strains, you know, these new COVID variants. Is the vaccine going to, is gonna it going to make us immune to those? How does that, how does that manage? This is a question of significant debate. There is a thought that the UK variant is, will there will be some protection from the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine will, will offer some protection. Moderna is talking about trying to do a booster shot to their booster for the South Africa variant, but this is really emergent. So again, it's a question that we're all trying to synthesize the data as fast as we can. And it's all, it's all new to everyone at the same time. 
Well, um, how long? How long will it last? Do does anybody know that yet? It's uncertain. It's unclear. People are thinking it'll last at least several months because that's the day that we have from the trials that began last year. We don't know. I mean, I think people are hoping for a year, but again, there's there's no data because again, it's emergent. So we're waiting on the results from the people that were enrolled the earliest and seeing how they do and seeing if they continue to have robust immunity. Are there differences between like the, the different ones like Pfizer and Moderna? There's not significant differences. The, they're both highly effective. The Moderna vaccine was provided more immunity after one shot than the Pfizer vaccine. So there was some discussion in some of these policy circles about extending when you would get a second shot. So if that was the case with Pfizer, you wouldn't have as much immunity after one shot and you really kind of needed the second shot, the booster. There is a difference in the time between when you get the booster, which is three weeks and four weeks. So very similar side effect profiles, so sore arms, feeling fatigued, some people felt feverish. That's your body immune system responding. So your body is revving up. Is there any interactions with like uh, HIV meds or anything like that? Nope. And it's been studied again, like I said, with people with HIV. And there were many people that were undetectable that were involved. Um, there's, there's no medication interactions at all with antiretrovirals. The one thing I would say is um, to, if you are worried about any of your medications, to just check with your doctor. But there have been no medications that are contraindicated for getting the the vaccine at all. And like, I guess the I guess the long term effects are also like you were saying, we don't know how long it lasts, but we don't know if any of those side effects you talked about, or or if there's any effects that are years out or anything. Right. We don't know anything about long term effects, but they are studying that. The one thing that I'd say that is really interesting is there are long-term effects from for some people from getting COVID infection, right? The quote-unquote oh, long yeah. haulers. Yeah, yeah. There are some people who who I've seen who say they never got back their sense of smell. There are some people who still feel like they have a brain fog. There are some people who still feel not well. They feel tired or they feel pain. And so thinking about the possible long-term side effects of the vaccine and the known percentage of people who have long-term side effects from COVID infection, if it doesn't kill them, those are kind of scary, you know, to me. No, I agree. I mean, I know somebody who's, whose lung capacity is different. Like they just feel like they, like they can do less stuff. Everything's changed. And of course we also know um, an elder uh, who was like an activist around Vancouver who uh, who died, and there's no longer side effect to COVID than um, than that, you know. Right, and then many people get discharged from the hospital, and some people are permanently on oxygen. You know, it's a big hit to the lungs. So there are very significant side effects from from having from having COVID infection. Well, and a lot of drug users also have COPD, right? So they're they're already kind of in the crosshairs in a way too. Right, right, exactly. And that makes me very worried. 
And, and I mean, you told me what was in it, like, like how it worked. Right. But I mean, how do we know there's no, like nothing else? Well, you can look, you can look at, you could, you could have the nurse show you, show you what's in it. It's a vial of, um, fluid. There's, there's no part, there should be no particles in it. There shouldn't be no solid particles in it. And you can watch them draw it up. You can watch the whole process. You can have them explain to you the whole process. It's just like the process of having any procedure. If you're getting a pap smear or you're getting a surgery, you can have the person who's giving it to you talk you through all the different pieces and explain to you what's going on. And any good healthcare provider should be happy to do that, to explain what they're doing and to explain clearly and carefully and with your consent. The governments around here have proven themselves so untrustworthy about all kinds of medical information that drug users might receive. And in fact, by the whole the whole policy that governs the drug war, like why, how can we believe them now? I mean, this is a good question. And the messaging has been so inconsistent from our government in the US and your government in Canada. There have been such clear harms and disregards for the welfare of people who use drugs and and just people generally trying to do their best to make their way through this really terrifying pandemic. Be an educated consumer. I'd say talk to lots of different people. I'd say talk to people that you trust. I think it's very important that we just be honest, that we talk about our experiences that people who are believed and trusted can talk about their experiences. Yeah. You know, um, my, my view is that it's very difficult for us to trust the medical system. And so I, I feel like it's part of our job to find somebody who we could trust. And that's why we asked, uh, our Dr. Ryan McNeil, um, our science advisor on crackdown who we, and the movement here in Vancouver do trust to recommend us someone. And that's how we got to talk to you. And that's why I kind of felt like we had to do our own homework for ourselves and for um, the people in the movement. And one of the other ways that I know that this isn't, uh, that this is a good thing and I want it is I am watching rich people try to get it through every possible means, like try to queue jump and fly to some other jurisdiction or, you know, I'm seeing politicians and and, and people really, you know, wanting to get at the front of the line and often getting there, you know, so and I know when that happens, that um, that's a pretty good indication to me that it is what it is. I think it's also a very unique problem to be able to have the opportunity to even think about accessing it. You know, I was talking to some of my friends in Africa, and it's not even really on the table for them. And so it's a unique opportunity for us to be able to debate the merits and and it's a real privilege uh in many ways to be positioned in our this global way and so i I do think that recognizing that privilege and being able to to take it if 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 it's what's good for you at the time and to continue to have conversations with people about it and I don't see it as being a one-time conversation. These are conversations I'm having with my patients every day. One of my patients said she was worried that we were all going to turn into the walking dead. And 
I was like, well, all the doctors got it. <laughs> They're already zombies. <laughs> uh, you know, but really, that, that I did think, though, that for me to go first, it's, it's you know, it's a sign. I don't, it's complicated. It's like, should I go first because I'm a doctor and you believe me? Well, you don't really believe me, but should I go first because you've, you know, black people have been experimented on this country in medical exploitation and, I'm recognizing that or, you know, should, and I'm trying to be able to explain my experience to you. I, I don't know. It's complicated. <laughs> should, should you go first? Who goes first? <laughs> well, um, um, our, our editorial board, the, the crackdown podcast editorial board, uh, w- when the opportunity came, uh, most, most of the editorial board are frontline workers. And so they were doing vaccines for frontline workers at the time. And so we arranged a, a session where I could go and record um, everyone getting vaccinated and, um, you know, everybody, but one uh, person on the board chose to get the vaccine at that time. And I'm really glad to, because uh, I think there's a big recognition that the biggest threat to us is, is COVID and also the disruptions in our community that COVID is creating. And so the sooner we get over that, I mean, we've had record overdose deaths around here, right? So we're very keen to, to get back to the, the regular level of fuckery and hell instead of this fuckery and hell on steroids level. Um, so I, you know, I, I think, I think, uh, that was convincing for people. And, and, you know, the other thing that convinces me about this is, um, in Canada, um, uh, we're finding out that there are, we're going to have a few weeks of no deliveries from, from Pfizer, from Europe, and that the rollout of vaccines across the country is going to be slower and more, there's going to be scarcity. Um, I think that's happening in jurisdictions all over the place right now. In the EU, maybe they're having these kind of discussions. And globally, there is just more people than there is a vaccine right now. And if drug users want to stand aside and say, oh, I don't want it. I know how we've been treated before. The authorities will very happily give it to somebody else. And then the world will move on from COVID and we'll be left in this backwater of still contending with a social problem that a lot of other people, at least in the so-called developed world, have already moved beyond in the coming years. And I just, that's my fear is I don't want us to be left behind uh, just because the regular apportioning of the goods goes the regular way it does. You know, I want us to get our place in line and use it. Right. And it is equitable. And that is, and getting what I agree with you completely, getting what you deserve and need and what, affords you protection and for me it it provides me some kind of mental assurance like a little bit of armor you know and i think that's what people deserve and need who have to go to methadone clinic every day and face oh God, kind of yes. the structural violence of that and you know who don't aren't allowed to take any take-homes and so that's exactly what i'm thinking about and and i feel like you're you're exactly right i'm so worried for all of the people who are doing syringe service provision, peers, outreach to homeless mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. they are front line, front, front line, <laughs> you know, and so the, even the mental, you know, the mental health, you know, advantage of not having the anxiety of just feeling a little bit of armor against, you know, when you go out and you do your essential work, that is so wonderful and important. And so I know in New York City that syringe service, you know, peers and providers are considered considered frontline they get to go so they many of them have been getting them already and it's it's just like a light up in my heart because you know it it's it's what people deserve well thank you very much dr sue 
or Dr. Dr. Sue, whatever we're going to call you. <laughs> I appreciate your time for All us right. today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Garth. January was a real bastard. The month seemed like a year. Everyone's hitting the wall with this pandemic, and everything's about to break. We're just chain-smoking grief around here. In the last couple of weeks, we lost CD, a neighborhood elder, also Woody and Ken G. And James Ash just found out that his nephew Alex is gone. James makes lots of the music for Crackdown. Lisa and I had a loss that really fucked us up. And I'm not really ready to talk about that yet. And then there's Ron. This was one of Ron's favorite songs. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you. Last week, Ron Kulke fatally overdosed, they say. Nobody saw this coming. Ron was an old-school Vandu activist and part of the Western Aboriginal Harm Reduction Society. He was a fighter for housing going back 10 years, at marches, tent camps, and occupations. Ron led Crackdown's first listening party. He used to call me Dr. Mullins just to take the piss. We know that nobody's coming to save us, so we've got to save ourselves. We've had bad months before, but right now in Vancouver, social gatherings are banned. We're falling away from each other. Laura says she feels cut off. And there's something familiar in this crisis layered on another crisis, an echo from the past. In the 1990s, Vancouver faced an overdose crisis and a viral epidemic. HIV was spreading through the hood. And so was a bunch of bad information about AIDS. I remember those whack conspiracy theories. So we started organizing to keep ourselves safe. We didn't take the government's word for any of it, or big pharma's. We figured it out for ourselves. And that's what we're doing now, informing each other. Hell, we should be vaccinating each other, in partnership with a nurse or whatever. But you know, your local hit doctor is pretty handy with a rig. Crackdown is produced on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. We make this podcast with funds from the Canadian Institutes of Health Research and the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada, and from our Patreon supporters. You can find a complete transcript of today's show, as well as photography and links to further readings, at patreon.com slash crackdownpod. While you're there, consider giving us a few bucks. It helps. Our editorial board is Simona Marsh... Shelda Castor, Greg Fess, Jeff Loudon, Dean Wilson, Al Fowler, Laura Shaver, and a new editorial board member, Raya Jean. Welcome, Raya. And rest in peace, Dave Murray and Cherise Kiwatin. Today's episode was conceptualized, written, and produced by Sam Fenn, Alex Kim, Lisa Hale, Ryan McNeil, and me, Garth Mullins. Original score for today's episode was written and performed by me, 
Sam Fenn, and James Ash. Thanks for listening. Be safe and keep six. Somebody's fluting out there. <laughs> Fuck sakes. Alex, you're just going to have to artistically paint this whole motherfucker with like tons, tons of score, you know? Or I'll just have to like yell everything like, I'm Garth Mullins, episode 22, fuck off! <laughs>